Hello, happy Earth Day and welcome back to another episode of the Agnes London podcast. I'm your host Sophie and this week I'm chatting to Marta from Bottega Zero Waste. Everyone's zero waste journey starts a little differently. Marta started in her bathroom and like me, it led her to turning her passions into her business and now her full-time job. In this episode, we chat about her journey, soap making and natural skin and hair care alternatives as well as running a business. I really enjoyed recording this episode and if it's left you feeling inspired to create your own products at home, be sure to check out some of Marta's amazing videos. Now let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on my podcast, Marta. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have a chat to you. And yes, you're my first recording over the internet rather than face to face. So we'll see how this goes. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, it's very sad that we can't meet people face to face at the moment. Yeah, it's great. Uh, however, what technology can do. I mean, we couldn't meet, but we're still like getting to do this, you know, interview and podcast together. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, definitely. It's incredible. So do you want to start off by telling me a little bit about your journey and what you were doing before you started Bottega Zero Waste and what kind of sparked your interest in essential oils and making your own products? Yeah, absolutely. So I started actually working on Bottega Zero Waste back in 2018. And originally, um, it was really more of a project around kind of slow living and, you know, going back to like living more naturally. I was still trying to find kind of my real purpose or what I really wanted to share with people. And um, I was doing this alongside my job, um, which is in uh, in the art world, actually. So very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um worked uh, for an auction house and um, basically the whole thing is that I suddenly realized that my life was really filled with plastic I Mm -hmm. had recently into a new apartment and I realized the amount of like plastic I brought with me when I was kind of like uh, you know uh, choosing um, new things to put into the apartment and kind of organizing my cupboard in the kitchen and that's when it kind of clicked and I started looking into ways to reduce waste and so obviously the first thing one does is just goes to to google and start researching and i i found about the zero waste movement Mm -hmm. and thought it was just like really interesting to combine kind of like the necessity of reducing waste with the idea of also uh living more naturally so um choosing like products and ingredients that you know and starting really controlling what it was you know the waste i was producing but also what I was putting on my skin. Yeah, I find that really fascinating. I think a lot of us focus so much on what's in our food and things like that. And we don't ever really give that much consideration to what we're putting on our skin, which at the end of the day ends up inside our bodies as well. Absolutely. That was that that was exactly when it hit me because I remember very clearly I was reorganizing my bathroom, all my creams and all my products. And because I had this thought in my mind about the waste and the ingredients so I started like you know looking at labels mm. and I realized that by reading a label behind the cream I had no idea whatsoever what was in it what was going into my skin and that was me that was for me was quite shocking and I started asking myself how is it possible that I've lived like this until now and I never ever thought about this when in fact we're so concerned about the food that we eat so that's how kind of the two things got together and um, so I really looked into ways to reduce waste in the most natural way possible and I kind of like started with soap really because um, it seemed one of the most obvious swaps to do to yeah. reduce plastic that comes with bottles mm. uh, liquid soap and um, so I just uh, well I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very curious person naturally so I really wanted to try to make it myself and also I had no idea how soap was made mm. like I don't know to me it was like how is it possible I use it every single time I have no idea what soap is yeah obviously has ingredients in it what is it yeah. so i i stumbled it was very difficult to find the recipe on the internet on youtube and so the first time i made soap actually i ended up making almost three kilos or so <laughs> it was like a very large batch uh, kind of recipe <laughs> did you find it difficult when you like wanted to start making a recipe did you find it difficult 
to get all the ingredients together because I know it's like I something I sometimes think oh I should try making my own and then I'm like but I don't even have like I may have like one or two ingredients on this list and I don't want to spend a fortune buying loads of ingredients and equipment and things like that and also like obviously some of those um ingredients will still come in plastic so it's like you haven't exactly reduced it you've just shifted it to ingredients rather than products Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the thing that really hooked me about uh, soap making is that you really could make a soap mm. using literally like three, four ingredients. It was very simple. So the first soap I made was made with olive oil, um, coconut oil. Mm-hmm. Those were the main oils that I had plastic free at home. You know, with mm. those are are quite easy to find, like in jars or. Um, in glass or you can refill it at a box store and and then just like water you can use tap water so that's literally free kind of to say that and then um the only ingredient was was the sodium hydroxide which is the only one that you need to get um from a specialized store um and yes it does come in plastic but you really don't need a lot of it it will last a very long time and it's normally sold in big like um big over one kilo normally bottles mm. so i think when you're like thinking about DIYing something you always need to take into consideration that it's not necessarily always about kind of the plastic free element you need to think about that if you're getting something in bulk something that will last a very long time and with it you can make so many products that's already gonna have like a you know like a, a lower impact mm to getting like something that is disposable even if it's compostable but it's disposable I, I I still think it's probably not the best idea so it's all about yeah compromising and as you're saying finding simple recipes with not too many ingredients to source mm. yeah definitely I guess coconut oil and olive oil as well like they are products that we're all quite familiar with and we can find in our local supermarkets aren't they so they don't seem too like that must be quite a nice one to start off with because it doesn't seem too daunting a list of ingredients yeah 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 exactly and also with tools um you don't really need that many very specialized tools with soaping is one of with soap making is one of those like kind of crafty hobbies that you can uh, uh you you really just need like you can use like things that you already have in your kitchen mm. um as long as then you keep them for your soap making, don't really mix them with food. <laughs> yeah, your other members of your household might not be too pleased yeah. if you. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so um, obviously you started off with very basic ingredients, but I know now you talk about you use more essential oils. When did you like? How did you get into essential oils, and how did you um, research them? Because I feel like essential oils—they are really, really good, but they have very certain uses, and there are some things that you don't want to use them for, and some things that you do. Like, how did you kind of get into essential oils, and how did you learn about that information? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's another great question. So the thing is, when we're talking about like ingredients um, and kind of like taking control of you know, what you're using, what you're consuming. Um, one key thing was this use of fragrances in commercial products meant that you really have no idea what's inside. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing because every product that has like a fragrance and all the other ingredients always goes through very strict like checks and controls. So it doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad for you, but you don't know what's in it. So the idea of transparency is something that really um, fascinated me and the fact that I, I, if I'm using, you know, lavender essential oil, I know that that's lavender essential oil. There's no other kind of hidden ingredient in it that I, I don't know. Um, so that was one thing. Um, then plus the fact that I think it really fascinated me, the fact that essential oils have also like that side of kind of like remedy and therapy. Mm. 
specific kind of component to it, which, uh, you know, like a fragrance doesn't necessarily have. Mm. I don't know. I was really, really interested into switching to using something that if I use into like a shampoo bar, for example, I know it will not only like make my shower time smell like, you know, peppermint, but it will also have like an action that possibly can control, you know, my, my scalp's issue. Mm. So that, that was like, I think essential oils have become quite a big part of everything that I do. And um, also, I don't know if you got also into essential oils. I, I assume you probably do as you're asking me, but <laughs> didn't you, um, did you realize that after you start using essential oils, also your sense of smell like changes so much? And um, when you when you go back, for example, you smell somebody that has a perfume on, you like immediately can kind of detect that that's like kind of like a synthetic and like lab made fake fragrance mm. as opposed to like a pure essential oil. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've just started using them. I got like a little kit for Christmas. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. That's why I wanted to speak to you. Um, but I mean, so for example, I've made myself a very, very basic like lavender roll on to have by my bed, mm -hmm. which is literally just almond oil. Um, I can't remember. If I, put, I think it was just almond oil and a few drops of lavender essential oils. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have an eco egg in our washing machine and mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's got a lot of fragrance on it. So sometimes I'll put a few drops of essential oils in the wash before I put it on. Um, so our laundry comes out smelling a little bit nicer and you do definitely notice the scents coming through. And um, yeah, I, I am noticing my sense of smell a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. Having said that, though, I was talking the other day because uh, loss of sense of smell, here we go, I'm going to say the word now, um, is a symptom of coronavirus. And I was like, I don't mm -hmm. even think I'd even know if I lost my sense of smell. Like, it might take me a little while to realise that, that it had gone. Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, I've heard about it too, actually. Um, but, but going back to your question about the kind of um, safety around essential oils, mm -hmm. I think that very very important topic and I also want to say that um, I mean I, I obviously follow some guidelines that I can kind of talk about now I'm also not an expert though so it's very very important that everybody that is listening kind of does their own like research um, into each essential oil also because each essential oils is very different from one another there's not like blanket rule necessarily mm. for um all of them but when it comes to using uh, essential oils in skincare products it's very very important that we kind of follow there are kind of some thresholds that normally should be followed um and also there are there are actually some uh, this is like a tip uh, if you want to follow there are some specialized stores um where you can go online and buy cosmetic ingredients that actually do give some guidelines uh, of usage and these guidelines are normally um, kind of regulated by um, cosmetic regulations so mm -hmm. they're like you know european regulated um, so for example in in a rinse of product normally you, sh you shouldn't exceed like three percent of your formula so normally like two three percent um, it's like kind of like a legal limit um, it should not, it should never be more than that. However, for some other products like leave-on products, like creams, like it's way less than that. Um, so it's always about really researching also depending on the product you're making. And if you're unsure, I always suggest like go on onto one of those websites. You can also like, you know, contact the, the team there. If you're unsure when you're buying something, ask. Yeah, never try to guess, never try to kind of, if you're unsure, maybe Google around because sometimes you can find DIY recipes on the internet that are really not uh, very much reliable. Mm. Yeah. And is it the case that obviously um, all of us have very different types of hair and skin and things like that? Is it the case of one essential oil that might be good for me might not be good for someone else? Is it that kind of specific or if it's kind of bad for skin, is it generally bad for all types of skin? Um, no, so yeah, uh, whenever like you might have some sensitivities to an essential oil that some other someone else uh, 
wouldn't normally have. So there are essential oils that in general are more accepted by most skin types. And that is also due to what kind of allergens are in it. So uh, essential oils have these allergens. And actually, if you look behind the lab on the label of a product, it's a legal requirement to spell out the allergens. Mm. So that technically, if you know you might have sensitivities, you know if you have sensitivities, um, you know, you, you can you can spot if you might have a sensitivity to one of those allergens. Mm. But some essential oils like lavender, for example, they are more, you know, they're less kind of like full of these allergens and less irritant. However, it does depend again on your skin. There's no like blanket rule. Um, so it's always best to, to check. And if you're using a new essential oil, perhaps you should do like a little patch test. Mm. Or so important never to use essential oils on your skin, like straight on your skin, but mm -hmm. always to dilute it into a little bit of oil, a carrier oil, because they're very, very strong. They're very concentrated. So it's really like the use should be extremely, extremely minimal. And also um, there is like a lot of um, safety like guidelines you need to follow if you have children, um, like if you're planning to use it, you know, near children or for your children. And if you're pregnant, mm. if you're pregnant, there are, for example, some essential oils you should absolutely avoid um, because they can cause kind of like early contraptions and stuff like that. So it's it's a serious thing. You really need to do your like due diligence and research before using them. Yeah, it really shows you how powerful the natural world is, doesn't it? Like we kind of underestimate how much effect these plants have on our bodies. Yeah that's true <laughs> so when you first started um and since then have you learned so much more about your skin type and your hair type and 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 what have you learned about it yeah yeah absolutely i think one of the most important things i learned uh, is that really sometimes like the less like the least amount of ingredients you have sometimes the best it is so I think sometimes we kind of fall into this trap of kind of using so many different products for our skin and then, and then each different product serves like a very specific purpose and it's made up of so many different ingredients and fragrances and we don't realize actually we're just you know probably even making our skin uh, more irritated and stressed mm. when in fact sometimes uh you know less is more um just i like to think that sometimes it's nice to give our skin just a break <laughs> and i found that really that really works for me using very simple um kind of uh, products and ingredients for example i for as a cream i like to use um normally i use this aloe vera gel cream i make myself sometimes even just plain aloe vera gel really the, you can get like the cosmetic cosmetic aloe vera gel mm. as opposed to one straight out of the plant that is kind of like a cream and that's really it is it's very very simple um or another thing that i discovered is um oil cleansing have you ever tried it yes i have kind of tried it yeah i haven't really given it much of a go but i've tried it a few times yeah so that to me like was revolutionary like i've never thought i could actually clean my skin with oil because that sounds so kind of like the opposite of oil yeah. yeah but it actually really really works and i am really confident that uh, i think it really improved my my skin so much like in terms of like breakouts and mm. just like how it's clean and i think going along with it i've also started to wear less makeup mm -hmm. like i don't I barely uh, wear foundation, for example, just, um, you know, I just use like a little uh, bit of like a creamy blush that I um, also make. So it's, yeah, I think you really learn how to appreciate more and really, you know, each ingredient, you really appreciate it. And you basically, you learn how to appreciate the, the power of less ingredients, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think we've been marketed at for so long about you need you need this product and this product and you need all these products in this step-by-step -step routine to get perfect skin. And um, I think what you're saying is right, that definitely sometimes less can be more and our skin can often be quite overwhelmed. Yeah. Do you um, double cleanse when you're 
doing oil cleansing or do you just cleanse with uh, an oil-based cleanser? Uh, I normally just do oil-based cleanser. However, if I do feel that for some reason I need a little bit of extra cleansing action or I just sometimes, I don't know, just I try to listen to my skin. So if I really feel that my skin doesn't feel like clean enough for some reason, I might uh, uh, use a little bit of a very, very gentle soap. So mm. soap shouldn't be used too much and the skin it can be a little bit drying. I do use like a soap that is full of like sweet almond oil and olive oil so super super moisturizing and if I do use soap I always follow with the cream mm. not to, to compensate a bit of the kind of cleansing action yeah, yeah. Mm, great interesting to hear to hear what works for you so um you spoke a little bit at the beginning about you were looking at you know going down a more zero waste journey and reducing your packaging and one of the most daunting things I think about that for people is switching from like normal shampoo and conditioner to shampoo bars. And I know personally, like it was a bit of a trial and error for me until I found ones that I liked. Um, and I'm sure it's the same for most people. So I was wondering what advice you had for people for choosing shampoo bars for their hair type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first of all, there is one thing actually I... I've been talking about quite a lot recently because uh, same as you, like I've been through, and I think same as everyone, mm -hmm. I've been through like, a lot of trial and error. And um, so the number one thing that we need to identify is how that uh, shampoo bar is made. So is it made using kind of like a soap method? So is it like a soap that we use for our hair? Or is it made more using detergents? Um, so those two kind of products have a very, very different composition and sometimes it can be tricky because they look maybe exactly the same. So if you, if you don't know how to formulate these types of recipe, maybe for you, they are the same, but they're actually not because soap has quite a high pH while a shampoo made with detergents will be very balanced, will have a balanced pH. And because our hair really likes acidic things, uh, it likes more of a kind of acidic balanced pH. So we're looking at like around 5, 6 pH as opposed to soap, which is like um, 8, 9, 10. So it's much higher. So it's basically, uh, it's just like looking at um, um, kind of like decomposition. And if you're unsure, you can always ask your supplier. And I think that's then really one mistake that everybody pretty much does just because you can't tell the difference. And then you kind of start thinking, why does this shampoo bar, why is this shampoo bar making my hair feel so greasy? Mm. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then I actually see a lot like everywhere, like a lot of people say, oh no, but you have to go through your transition period. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah, well. I have heard about that, that it takes a little while for your hair to adjust to, um, like a more natural soap yeah so to be honest like i really wanted to believe that and i have tried so hard to develop like a soap that would you know work for your hair um and then after i've done more and more research and i found about you know the ph i i've realized actually i i, I don't think it's there is really a transition period i mean you can say that if you were using very kind of heavy shampoos of uh, commercial shampoos with lots of like silicones and like things that can cause buildup. Of course, your hair need to go through a transition period, but it's not that it, I feel that some, like I feel that this is, could be marketed as, marketed as an excuse just because those kind of sh soap shampoos don't really work for hair. They're not as suitable because of the pH that we talk about a transition phase when in fact soap should be used for body and hands. It's the most wonderful things thing for that. Mm. But then um, a detergent soap, uh, sorry, a detergent shampoo, it's much more suitable for hair care. And um, and then the other thing is um, really just it's all about the ingredients. So mm. if you are unsure about which shampoo bar works for your hair, um, really 
my number one tip would be read the label and and see what ingredients are in it and then you can um you can kind of research what what each ingredient might do for hair so for example I don't know, one of my favorite oils to use in for hair care is hemp seed oil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you can go on, you know, on the internet if you're unsure and just do like hemp seed oil for hair care. And then you find out maybe that it, you know, is packed with omega-3 and 6 and they can, it can help improve the thickness of the hair. And that's, it's a very dry oil and doesn't cut pore. So, you know, it's best if you have oily hair types and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I need to get myself some of that. Yeah. Thicker hair sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think we've touched on this a bit in what we've been talking about, but what would you say are the benefits of using natural skincare and natural hair care products? So, yes, I think like, as we were saying before, it's just like, finally, if you switch to natural skincare and hair care, I feel that you really can kind of take control of what you're using, the waste you're producing, what you're putting on your skin. Um, Again, you don't have possibly like all those synthetic ingredients into one product, but you really have the chance here of simplifying your routine and, you know, using ingredients that, you know, you can research and you can really really understand fully. Mm. Um, I also want to point out, though, that um, it's, it's also important to think that it's great to switch to a natural kind of skincare and hair care routine. Um, but we should never like think that natural is always absolutely um, good because sometimes um if a natural ingredient is not used in the correct way, it could not, you know, it could possibly even cause harms as Mm. we were talking about essential oils. And at the same time, sometimes I think, um, sometimes I see maybe um, kind of like there is this um, obsession about natural things Mm. and tend to try to label everything as natural, natural, natural. And, and kind of label something that is not natural as like toxic or synthetic. But I think there, that when we are embarking into this journey to in, into like natural skincare, we should always um, kind of know that something that is not natural is also not necessarily like toxic and disruptive for us. Um, there are, for example, uh, as we were saying in the case of soap, for example, maybe if you use soap for your hair, mm. it could be more damaging, even if it's just a natural thing. While if you use a mild, naturally derived detergent for your hair, you know, it can really improve your hair, hair health in that case. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Natural is, is not always better. Um, so after you'd started making your own kind of skincare and haircut, did it make you want to start making your own cleaning products as well? Like, did you start looking at the ingredients in everywhere, in every aspect of your life? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually, because there is one thing that really frustrates me about cleaning is that Mm. uh, ingredients are not on the label. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I, yeah, I could not tell you what's in anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but um, if you if you look at a cleaning like a cleaner label, like a commercial one, it will say kind of it will give you a general indication of the kind of ingredient that is used. Mm. That ingredient, but will not tell you the name of the ingredient. So you you literally have no idea of what is in your cleaner. Have no absolutely no idea. And again, um, you know, there I am sure we we just need to be confident that there are kind of like street like you know regulations before you you sell before a brand sells something um but again there is like the question of how good this is is this for my health i, mm. I don't know yet so yeah i i did started to look at um, natural cleaning um at the moment i i don't do like a lot of cleaning products myself i do like a kind of general purpose this degreases degreaser spray mm. uh, which really easy with like castle so vinegar 
Um, and then I also use baking soda a lot because it has amazing kind of abrasive properties. So it can really take off stains and acts like a natural bleach. Mm. Um, there are some um, other products that I I prefer to buy from like a more kind of eco-friendly you know, brand that is ready-made as opposed to buying maybe those commercial ones. Um, so, you know, you can find some, for example, like floor cleaner. You know, I, I have yeah. a wooden floor, so I, I feel a bit hesitant in like making my own wooden floor cleaner. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, if I find a brand that I like, I know it's more natural, I might um, choose that instead of trying to make uh, one that maybe won't destroy my floor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I feel like I enjoy cleaning. Not that I ever really enjoy cleaning, but I enjoy cleaning more with natural products because like, I don't feel as reluctant to get them out and spray them around everywhere. It's like this, you know, this is cleaning, but it's also like it's quite natural. It's not doing much harm. I'm not just like covering yeah. my kitchen in chemicals. Yeah. And, you know, there are some brands that I, I actually think that natural cleaning is natural cleaning is one of those areas that is really going to like explode very soon. Mm. Because yeah. there are, think about it, like there aren't a lot of, a lot of brands offering truly good <laughs> cleaning, uh, natural cleaning solutions. So I don't know. I've tried soap nuts as well. Um, they they work quite well in the washing machine, but I mean they're good if you have like not a very very dirty wash load. Um, can be a little bit tricky with just natural plain natural things to obtain. Mm. Very results so it's one of those areas that to be honest i i feel needs still kind of more yeah it needs more brands coming out with really truly sustainable and effective solutions and i've already seen some brands i don't know if you've seen them that are starting to offer options like things like they sell you like a little kind of solid um tab Mm. that you um, can put into your just like in I think either plain water or still water um, and you make your own kind of cleaner that way. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, like that would be really good. And but again, and we see like a lot of um, options for, I don't know, natural deodorants or toothbrush. Like there are bamboo toothbrushes brands everywhere. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I guess it's slightly harder though. And you probably know this more yeah. than I do. It's slightly harder to... Um, formulate and test a product like that in your own kitchen and if you don't have like access to lab equipment and then you need to test it you know you have to you want to allow yourself that time before you put it out into the market yeah it's so difficult but the thing is I find it's also very interesting that none of the huge like big um, retailers have kind of come up with a solution like this Mm. yeah because you know I don't know potentially it's not really in their kind of interest for many reasons but you know I think there could be more done that's that's what I mean and um, I I have a feeling that we will see more and more um, options especially because I really feel that the zero waste movement is kind of like progressing so fast I mean it's really exploded just in the last when I started was two years ago it wasn't there weren't that many like options as there are now yeah so it's a very positive thing yeah yeah sure. definitely yeah I think we must have started around the same time and yeah it's just phenomenal the amount of um brands that have popped up and the amount of like incredible ideas that people have and solutions for things yeah absolutely so now we're on that subject let's talk a little bit about your experience of running your brand and you were telling me before we started recording that you've just gone full-time working on it is that right yeah I just did congratulations it's so, so exciting yeah yeah it is so exciting it's so funny because it is I went full-time like my last day at work was two days ago <laughs> so that was quite recent so it's really been a journey of two years because I started Bottega in 2018 mm. and it's been really really life-changing so interesting so many sacrifices as well because and then you probably know as well I I might ask about you too but working full-time while running a business is challenging Mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, so I was just like, in terms of like, like practically, I was working on Bottega in every in each spare moment. So like morning before going to work, lunchtime, I had my laptop while I was eating and I'm back home after dinner every single weekend, like no break, basically. So mm. I'm incredibly excited for the start of my new life. <laughs> excited to get some weekends back. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully my friends will forgive me. <laughs> and, no, it's so important because when you're running a business, and I'm sure you know too, it, it's so important to have like, kind of like that, um, those like breaks and mm. really think about your mental health and your social life and um uh, it's, it's essential you know to get good sleep and really um again think about your mental health in order to really be creative and really offer the best that you can you know in in your business um but yeah it was really about time and um right now i'm really focusing on um just like you know, again, um, um, offering more workshops um, because, as you know, I um, I don't only have um, the e-commerce shop with my soaps and shampoo bars, but I really like the teaching side of it. Mm. And so, like this year for me will really will really be all about kind of um, exploring more that um, um, educational side of Bottega's Your Waste. Mm-hmm. So showing people how they can really feel empowered with making their own products and i really want to kind of um take that also online as much as possible because i absolutely love um doing like you know london physical workshops but i feel that in this era it's so important to have like an online presence for many reasons one is that as we are all (laughs) at this moment with this coronavirus it is so important to Mm. to do that i'm actually so grateful that i can Mm. yeah definitely and then also because um you actually this way you can actually serve your customers so much better people that follow you from around the world um because you know if i if i can only do like london-based workshops then you know all of the people in my community wouldn't be able to, you know, enjoy any of that. And when, whereas if you put your business online, then it's, I think it makes such a huge difference in terms of impact that you can have. Mm, Yeah, definitely. That's something that I'm really aware of as well. And this kind of current situation has um, made me realize it even more is that if I'm just limited to hosting events in London, how can I reach those people that can't come to events in London and we obviously we know that London is very well served in kind of sustainable events and zero waste events um so if you live in London it's quite easy for you to connect with like-minded people but if you don't live in London or there's not so many events where you live you know how can you still get that kind of that engagement and find those people that have those interests as you do yeah Absolutely. And actually, I don't know about you, but I I met so many amazing people, even just through Instagram. It's mm. great. Like so many, you know, even you and I, I think we just connected through Instagram, yeah. <laughs> right? Because then you start really getting into this community and it's not uh, necessarily just local. And um, I met so many people from all also other countries. I actually even had like people from other countries coming to London just for the workshops. And, and um, I don't know, some of the people I met on Instagram and I share the same passions with who we are now, like really, really good friends um, in real life as mm. well. <laughs> um, so yes, absolutely. It's important to have an online presence. I think it's probably necessary these days, mm. but it's also important that we never forget about kind of like also the physical aspect of a of a business. So trying to retain those relationships, um, you know, in real life as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love meeting people in real life that I've met on Instagram. And I love hosting the workshops and events and stuff and, and you know, having that um, face to face contact with people. 
So I'm quite sad that I can't do that at the moment, but trying to find other ways to still find that connection, but back online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what does the, you've spoken a little bit about it, but obviously now you're focusing on getting more of the learning platform side of things going. And I was just wondering what else the future holds for Bottega Zero Waste? Mm. Um, Yeah, so that's definitely major project. So I, I really would like to have a proper like online school where people can choose between like different projects, different uh, different courses, and then um, yes, there is the physical physical side of like the products, so the kind of shampoo bars, conditioner bars, um, soaps, all of those. Um, and I am constantly looking for way to kind of manufacture those products in the most um, ethical, sustainable way possible, Mm -hmm. starting from the ingredients involved in it, as well as the production side. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, yeah, so looking at that at the moment, also in terms of kind of scalability, which is a big thing. Um, And to be honest, at the moment, um, so these are my two main projects, but at the moment, I think the other thing would be really to kind of settle into this um, entrepreneur role. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any any advice you can give me, actually? (laughs) Um, You are more, I don't know, how long have you been? Since since August, I've been working for myself. um, And I think just just try and have a structure, just try and mm-hmm. keep, you know, a, a normal working day structure that you had when you were at work and um, write lots of to-do lists. That's, yeah. that's what keeps me focused. And yeah, because it's weird because at the moment I work from home all the time anyway. And I feel like I've been really unproductive the last couple of weeks since we've been on lockdown. And it's like my day-to-day hasn't changed that much it's just that I now don't have the option to just nip out whenever I want to so it's yeah. like I feel like I'm procrastinating a lot more and um yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to really like hone in on those to-do lists and give myself yeah. set myself deadlines because at the end yeah. of the day if you work for yourself and you don't hit a deadline like there's no one else that's going to chase you up in it but you yeah, absolutely you're you're your own boss really yeah, yeah literally <laughs> really tricky but I, I agree I'm I'm always looking at methods I don't know how many like content management and like calendar platforms I've changed but <laughs> I think right now I, I've settled in using Trello I don't know mm. if you did. yes yes I actually yeah we do use Trello I really like it it's really simple um I think I was over complicating things too much before but that's I like a simple layout and then just like maybe having like an agenda, like a little diary where you write mm. things. Now it's like, because you always, the funny thing is that when you're working full time, you're like, I was always complaining that I didn't have time to do anything, mm. which was, it was literally, I didn't have time. But right now I feel like I have the whole time in the world, but at the same time, I still don't have time and enough time to do everything. So yeah. <laughs> more about, uh, I think for me, the challenge will be admitting that you can only do that much and um, kind of learning, you know, how to really give more priority to some things over others and just like learning that, okay, in one day, maybe I can do like two tasks because those are two big tasks and yeah. I try to do like 20 of them because I will get done zero of them. <laughs> So that's, I, I agree with you, it's really important to have a, a structure and really build your routine, especially if um, with the thought in mind that eventually you also want to like grow your business with a team. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have a very clear understanding of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think what you're saying is so right. It's like do less, but do it well um, and focus on doing those few tasks really well. Another thing that I kind of struggle with and have to remind myself not to do is not to compare myself to other businesses because I'm like you every business's journey is completely different it doesn't matter if they started at the same time as you and you feel like you're maybe at a different point to them like if you are one person you can only do 
you know, so much. Like you can't compare yourself to another business that maybe has a team of people. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to compare yourself. Oh, but this this other business is doing so great. Yeah. And then you don't realize maybe they have 20 people working on that thing that you're doing alone. So yeah, that's the reality of solopreneurs. I guess everybody started that way, right? Yeah, but yeah, mostly. Um, apart from a few lucky people that start with um, co-founders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, unlike us, we're just going it on our own. <laughs> yeah. And what's your favorite part of running the business? Oh, just that's a very good question. So, um, do I need to choose one? <laughs> Can I say more? Um, say as many as you like. I think definitely just like the freedom. Mm. That, that's exactly why I I decided to quit my job because I I just I could not um, like freedom in terms of time, but also in terms of things that I want to do. I I just could not fit myself into a box and. And just like accept that it was just that. Mm -hmm. So normally, especially I was working for a very big company. And when it's like that, um, there are exciting parts. But um, for me, the fact that my job was limited to just very few tasks. Mm. Um, So I was working in kind of like client services and uh, the post-sale experience of a buyer that was purchasing in my company. So it was very, um, every day was very, very day to day and just like replying to emails and doing a lot of admin things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, first of all, the freedom of really choosing that you want to do more and Mm -hmm. you choose what you want to do. And then also like, I just felt that, I felt that, you know, there must be something else other than this in life. Mm -hmm. And when you're running your own business, yeah, you are the one that are choosing um, kind of what path you want to take. And um, I don't know, I feel that with what I'm doing with Bottega, also there is like so much like creativity involved. And I, um, especially at the beginning when you're just yourself, you have to do a little bit of everything and the sky is the limit for Mm -hmm. how to might sound but it's true because you're doing um you know just all the creative side of it the you know the the photo taking the video shooting and uh formulating recipes and you're also doing the more also admin things you're replying to emails you're doing the more kind of less interesting stuff but at the same time you're doing so many things and you're learning so much and you just never ever keep uh, learning and growing and it's something that I personally didn't feel it was happening with my corporate job and that's I also want to point out that's a very personal thing it's just um I think I've kind of always been that way I've always liked to kind of travel a lot and I've been always very curious and wanting never wanting to settle kind of mm. um, in a way so I think for me that was the only solution to you know to, to be happy in my life but maybe for other people it's perfectly fine and they absolutely love their job and it's amazing yeah yeah that's I resonate with with that a lot and I think yeah I agree with a lot of things that you just said there I think there's something quite nice about being able to dabble in different tasks and every day is slightly different and you don't really get bored you're not stuck in the you know the same rut yeah Great. Well, at the end of every podcast episode, I ask my guests what they've seen or read recently that has left them feeling positive and uplifted. And I think this is important now more than ever when we are just being slightly overwhelmed by the news. So is there anything you would like to share with us? Yeah, yeah. I think something that is quite, um, something that's quite relevant to the situation we're experiencing now. Like I really started noticing how the fact that we are all confined in our homes and we don't have any social interaction anymore. Mm -hmm. It's funny, but at the same time, technology has allowed us to feel that we are really in this together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's just amazing. It's it's, kind of like 
if you think about it, it's like a worldwide situation and it's so horrible. But at the same time, human nature found a way to feel connected. And mm. I think that, that, I don't know, it's amazing. It's really, really, it's truly amazing. And um, I've, I've, I was listening to a uh, interview about, um, I think it was a doctor talking about coronavirus and the devastating effect he had in Italy. I'm Italian. My my family is in Milan, and it's one of the most affected areas. So I know exactly what what happens there, and it's so so horrible. Mm. He was explaining how coronavirus is actually. He was calling it the disease of solitude because um, whenever a patient got sick, he went to the hospital and. Um, he would be like intubated and mm. the, parent, the family couldn't go and visit. So mm. if you think about it, it's really sad. It's mm. really, really sad. But at the same time, the fact that, again, us as humans really have found all the ways possible to feel connected, whether it be through social media or through kind of like um, these like funding platforms, uh, global donations, um, I was talking the other day with a friend that is doing like a, a fundraising to mm. uh, buy hand sanitizers for uh, farmers in south of Italy that have no money and no like you know health and safety kind of stability. Mm. You know, it's it blows my mind. It's absolutely amazing how even with such a horrible um, and solitary um, disease, we can as humans we can find ways. Um, to get around and stay connected as much as possible yeah yeah that is so true definitely from from a situation like this we can still find connection in other ways yeah yeah <laughs> great well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with me um I really enjoyed hearing about it and I feel like I could chat to you about running a business for quite a long time <laughs> maybe yeah. that'll have to be another episode <laughs> we should do another session for sure it's like um, hopefully next time uh, in front of a nice tea or coffee in yes, person <laughs> in person yes hopefully we will be back meeting people in person before too long <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you very much for coming on thank you so much for having Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next Wednesday with another inspiring guest. If you need something to listen to in the meantime, our friends at The Vendor have launched a new podcast called Style With Substance. Each week, founder Lucy is taking a deep dive into the myths that surround sustainable fashion. Join her and guests as they lift the lid on greenwashing in the fashion industry. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the Agnes London podcast so you never miss another one like it. You can find out more about Agnes London by following us on Instagram at Agnes London LDN or by checking out our website www.agneslondon.com. See you next week. <laughs>